Chapter Five of Campfire Girls in the Country by Stella M. Francis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leanne Howlett. Locked Out. Hazel, what is the matter? What in the world are you doing? This inquiry coming from Harriet, who had been awakened by Hazel's awed exclamation, caused the latter to turn half around although she retained her position at the window. Her friend was sitting up in bed. "'Come here, quick,' Hazel urged in a strange, almost hollow voice. Harriet was soon at her side, and following with her eyes the direction indicated by her companion's finger. She saw the form of a woman, scarcely clothed for an out-of-doors excursion, even in the middle of the night, and with her uncovered hair hanging loosely over her shoulders. "'Why, it's your aunt!' Harriet exclaimed. "'What is she doing? Where is she going?' "'I don't know,' Hazel replied. "'I must go out and see.' "'I'll go with you,' the other girl volunteered. "'We'll put on our tennis shoes and kimonos "'and slip on our cravenetted raincoats. "'That'll be enough.' and try to catch her before she gets away from us, Hazel said. Come on, quick. In a second, both girls were executing this dressing program with greater rapidity than they ever before had engaged in any proceeding of like character. After it was completed, they hastened downstairs and out the back way. The night wanderer was no longer in sight, but while dressing, Hazel had kept watch through the east window and observed the direction her aunt was taking. She saw her pass through a gate leading into the orchard, and then lost her as the shadow of a large apple tree obscured her from view. Hazel led the way from the rear entrance to the orchard gate. As they passed through, Harriet inquired, "'What do you suppose she is doing? What could have caused her to come out here at this time of night?' "'It's a hard thing for me to figure out,' Hazel replied with as much deliberation as was consistent with her rapid movements. But one possible explanation has occurred to me. What's that? I'm afraid yesterday's experience and the loss she says she suffered have affected her mind. Oh, I hope not, Harriet deplored sympathetically. So do I, but I'm afraid it's something of that kind. They were now running along a path that led them through the mist of the orchard toward a timber of twenty or thirty acres in extent directly to the east. Near the far edge of this timber, the girls' camp was located, and the pursuit was leading them directly toward it. The orchard covered about three acres, consisting principally of large apple, peach, cherry, and pear trees, most of them many years old. As the two girls were running through this place, Harriet inquired of Hazel. "'Have you any idea what time it is?' "'Yes,' was the reply. "'It's twenty minutes after two. "'I slipped on my wristwatch as we were dressing, "'and I looked at it when we got out in the moonlight.' "'Where do you think your aunt has gone?' Harriet continued. "'That's pretty hard to say. "'About the best we can do is to follow this path. "'That's what she was doing when she disappeared from my view.' At the east edge of the orchard the girls found another gate which opened into the timberland. They passed through and continued their way along the path that wound among the trees in a general easterly direction. 
The timber was fairly clear of deadwood and underbrush, so that there was little obstruction to their progress. Finally, the followers of Aunt Hannah came to the edge of a small clearing, which was crossed by the path, and were about to slip into the open, when Hazel stopped suddenly and seized her companion by the arm. "'There she is!' she said in a warning whisper. But Harriet saw the object of the attention of her friend almost as soon as did the latter, and it was unnecessary to stop her. She stood still and awaited instruction what next to do. It was not long coming. "'Let's hide behind these bushes and watch her,' Hazel proposed. She led the way, and Harriet followed. The bushes were only a few feet from the path, and in a few seconds the girls were concealed behind them, and peering cautiously out at the advancing woman. Mrs. Hutchins passed so close to the watchers that they could see the features of her face distinctly in spite of the shadows of the trees. The look in her eyes was not wild or insane, as both girls feared it would prove to be. It was calm, somewhat troubled, and meditative. But there was something more in the expression of her face that thrilled Hazel and Harriet with a good deal of awe. Apparently she was unconscious of her surroundings, although she seemed to have sufficient command of her senses to pick her way in a kind of subconscious manner. "'She's asleep,' Hazel whispered. "'Be careful. Don't wake her, as it might scare her nearly to death. She's probably going back to the house. Come on, we'll follow her.' The two girls returned to the path and followed Mrs. Hutchins at a distance of twenty-five or thirty feet back to the orchard gate. Through the orchard, still along the path over which they had made their way to the timber, and into the east yard of the home of their strange hostess. The circular dome-roofed garage was near the path a short distance from the orchard gate, and in the shadow of this they waited, at Hazel's suggestion, until Aunt Hannah got into the house. They feared to advance in the open through the yard, while the somnambulist was opening the door, lest she turn and see them and perhaps awake. After the sleepwalker was inside and had closed the door, the girls waited five minutes or more to give her time to get back into bed before they ventured to advance to the kitchen entrance. Meanwhile, they watched the east window of Aunt Hannah's bedroom to see if she would turn on the light, but there was no illumination through the shade, and they assumed that she had returned to bed in the dark. As soon as they deemed it safe to re-enter the house, Hazel and Harriet walked briskly up to the door. Cautiously, Hazel took hold of the knob, turned it, and pushed the door. An exclamation of surprise, almost of dismay, escaped her lips. She stepped back, and with a look of startled helplessness announced, "'She's locked the door. We're locked out.' End of chapter 5